let's get back on subject here. Mike Valeni is your father figure. No, he is not. You love Valenti. Like, remember you were swaggerjacking some of his his bits. That's who you get your swag off of. You're not a father figure. Let us be your sports father figure on our podcast with swag on SoundCloud and iTunes at WXUTs after further review. After further review, as this is one of Frank's favorite songs. Do not listen to him. He is selling you snake oil. We don't sell snake oil, but we provide an entertaining and thought-provoking sports show on 88.3 WXUT. Saturdays from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. And sometimes we provide a life lesson. Ain't that right, Frank? Life lesson, my ass. Don't be a hater. And tune in to AFR Saturday mornings, 11 to 1 on WXUT. Welcome back to 88.3 WXUT's After Further Review. I'm Derek Lawson here with David the Man of God Harris. Doing a tape show for you here today as uh, we're going, my team basically is back in session. The season, if you've been listening to the show, the season was put on halt halt by the Toledo-Lucas County Health Department. So we haven't played in over a month and now we've been going, be, going back to playing and they said, you know what? Saturday it is, and, and Saturday we play around 12.30, so that's usually during our show here on 88.3 WGTs after further review. And make sure you always check us out either on our SoundCloud or Apple's iTunes for each segment podcasted for you. It's WGTs after further review with the picture of Frank Bastner and the horse's head. And we got David the Man of God on the phone lines. We haven't talked to him in a couple of weeks. So, uh, David, how was your Christmas and how was your New Year's? It was busy, busier than normal, just kind of with the job. I didn't really do, I did a little bit of travel, but yeah, just a grind. Got a little bit of family time in, got a little bit of work time, got a little bit of sports time, but yeah, just the grind never stopped, even during the holidays. Uh, oh, that's that's really good to hear, and uh, we haven't we haven't talked to you in a couple of weeks. And by the way, we got to get into our winners and losers, which we have, that's a great segment, especially as football season is starting to wind down here, and uh, we'll get really right into it right now. All right, David, take it away. The final week of pro football, week seventeen, and final weeks of bowl games in college football and the playoffs college football playoff semifinals all right so since we're in you know still in that festive holiday mood we'll start with the winners first off we'll just kind of get out of the way browns fans finally have something to celebrate for the first time in nearly two decades yeah you beat mason rudolph the Steelers, but they don't care they're in the playoffs and i guess for them this is their super bowl since they're not beating us this weekend, but, you know, kind of a good feel-good story, kind of all the trash talking, all the, oh, Baker Mayfield's our guy, oh, you know, turning things around. I, I don't know if everyone's going to get fired next year just because that's what the Browns do, but at least in this moment, 
they have just a little bit of joy and happiness to carry them into this new year. Yeah, I mean, you got to be happy for them. I mean, I I really think the Browns made a very good leap here, going eleven and five and at least making the playoffs. Now they're not going to win the Super Bowl, and I'm gonna make a bold prediction. I don't think they're beating the Steelers on uh, Sunday night, which is, I believe, the last playoff game of the weekend. Um, too many pieces they need. Too many pieces. One, the secondary is pretty bad, and Mason Rudolph pretty much exposed them on that one. We'll like to see what happens against Big Ben. Uh, Olivier Vernon, he's out with a what Achilles injury, so that that that's something to look at. And once again, Kevin Stefanski won't be there because of of, of COVID situations. And I believe one of their offensive linemen won't be there as well. One that's been there through the one in fifteen and zero in sixteen seasons. But I think the Browns made strides. And I, if I remember correctly, when we look back, I have to go back and look on our predictions. We were thinking if they got an eight and eight, nine and seven season, that was a, a straight success. So. I think the Browns fans would be proud that they went 11-5. They, they made it to the playoffs. As we've talked about on this show, with the NBA, though, you're going to be pretty much like an eighth seed. You know, you're going to get your Ponderosa thanks for your participating award. You'll get beat, and then you'll go home. Yeah, and I, and I think kind of as we look back, I think what Browns fans can hold on to is that their offense is predicated on the run. Like, everyone wants to love Baker Mayfield and praise Baker Mayfield. Like, they need him to be a game manager. They don't need him throwing 40, 45 times a game. It's feed the ball to Nick Chubb, feed the ball to Kareem Hunt. That's going to be your focal point in the offense. And so I think that if they can realize that, Cleveland can pretty much do what Tennessee does and use those two running backs as their bell cow. And then just have your quarterback there for play action, not really asking him to do a lot. But, we'll but do we? But do we think that really is going to happen? I mean, against the Jets, remember they didn't have any receivers, and then they then they passed the ball forty eight times. Yeah, which, which still doesn't make sense because you have two running backs, and everyone thought, oh, this is going to be just run the ball down their face over and over and over again, like Marshawn Lynch said. But kind of, when you try to outsmart and outthink the room. I would say doing the common sense thing, which is what I think the Cleveland Browns should do to utilize the running game, then they're going to go and look at, oh, we have all these receivers, oh, we're going to get Oda Beckham Jr. back, oh, we have three or four tight ends that we can use, let's, you know, sling the ball. And that's, that's just not your game. Like, just go with what works. What works is your running game. Yeah, I think so. I will say this, though. I think Kareem Hunt is injured. I, I just have this weird feeling because he's not running hard like he used to. He's not getting getting off the – when he's handed the ball, he's not really getting off the, the line with that explosiveness. Also, when even they put him out the passing game for the screen game, it's just, I think there's there's a nagging injury there. He doesn't look like the Kareem Hunt from Toledo and from the first few years in Kansas City. Yeah. I, and I don't know, maybe – that may be kind of a good season of rust, and maybe kind of that's just the bruising physicality that he's taken over the course of the season, knowing that they're one of those teams that, because of the pandemic, really haven't had like a true kind of time to really rest the body because they've been so kind of their schedule has been mixed up a lot as well. Well, I will tell you this: I am impressed with Karima, considering that at remember at Toledo he was always injured all the time. Yeah, and now kind of. Like we and we saw kind of when he was fully healthy, kind of how dominant he was. And I think 
I don't know if that's going to be kind of something that carries with him, kind of that hampers him, because it was always kind of injuries, especially with the lower body. Like, we're like okay, now we're starting to see it, and then he gets hurt again. So it's just going to be interesting to see how much they'll try to use him in this playoff game or if they're just going to kind of, kind of go with Nick Chubb as the primary back and then have some of the other smaller backs to kind of do things out of the backfield. Yeah, I agree. Keep going, David. All right, second where speaking of teams that unlikely playoff teams, you got to mention the Chicago Bears, they backed in, but they're still in the dance. I don't know if this helps or hurts the fact that Matt Nagy and Mr. Trubisky are going to come back for one more go-around, but they're a playoff team, and um, they may apparently get yet. It does. I mean, they got to help with the, the 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 Cardinals losing. I think it hurts with the future. I really think that Nagy, I, I give it to Bill Lazor, or is, is it Bill Lazor? I know it's Lazor is his last name. Yeah. Nagy and Lazor yeah. have done a tremendous job of, for one, Nagy letting his ego aside and giving the play call on the Lazor, and Lazor has pretty much managed Trubisky and David Montgomery to look like real NFL players. But the problem is, David, is that Trubisky's not the guy. I mean, let's be honest. He's not the guy. And, you know, I was listening to um, a few sports radio shows, and I can't forget his name, but an offensive lineman that was on the Bears in 85 who's actually an analysis analyst guy on on radio was saying that Trubisky, the reason with his limitations and not really giving the offense a lot of, of, a, of a big enough lead is hurting the defense because if you notice, a lot of people are not really happy with Chuck Pagano and his defense, and I think he runs the 3-5, and it's, you know, cover two zones a lot and not enough aggress- aggressiveness to the point where it's limiting Khalil Mack. You know, people are thinking Khalil Mack had a down year, but the, the problem is that it's with the defense and, and their coverage is in, and then Khalil Mack is getting double teamed a lot. So, you know, he did have a down year statistically, but they're not really running the defensive scheme that really plays into the hands of his talent that he's been doing the last couple of years. And once again, that goes back to the, the quarterback play. I think Trubisky is a decent quarterback, but he's not an Aaron Rodgers. And that was proven again on Sunday where the Bears, I think, played, called a great game. You have to admit, the play calling was good. Maybe the fourth and one going to the one receiver to Robinson when he was the only option was the, the, the worst one. But think about it. They were what? Three or four or fourth down conversions did really well with third down conversions. But the biggest thing that's been Trubisky's bugaboo is scoring in the red zone. They were one of four. While I believe Green Bay was four of four. And if you can't score in the red zone, that's getting touchdowns, not field goals. You can't win with field goals against teams like Green Bay. You're never going to win. And that's just the problem with Trubisky. He is very limited. He doesn't really throw accurately with the deep ball. Uh, can't really make great reads at all. And Green Bay figured him out. I mean, they took away the quick slants. They took away those little screen passes. Uh, David Montgomery had a good running game. But the fact of the matter is, Trubisky just has an average arm. If you watch Aaron Rodgers and you watch Trubisky, this is what always happens. If you notice, Aaron Rodgers, I mean, he's not a mobile quarterback, but he's enough to extend the pocket and extend the play. But when he gets that ball out, it's on a dart right to the receiver. And the receiver is the only one that can make a play on that. He gets the ball on time for the receiver to make a play and actually get more yards on the catch or yards after catch. Trubisky, on the other hand, he throws the ball. It's not really a dart. 
it, it really doesn't go to the receiver. The receiver has to make a play on it. Sometimes he puts a little bit too much air under the ball, so where the receiver catches the ball, he can't he can't get any yards after catch. That he gets catches the ball and he gets tackled right there. Where Rodgers lead has a pass that can lead a receiver to maybe get that extra yard for a first down. But Trubisky's a nice guy. He's a great teammate. I heard he he's a hard worker and people are rooting for him. But if, if you want to get eight and eight and backing into playoffs, stick with them. But other than that. You're going to have to find somebody else. I don't see any difference between him and Nick Foles. I just don't. I don't know what you think. I, I get you, I'll get your analysis. You're the football guy, but that's what I saw on Sunday. Yeah, and, and I think kind of, it was always going to be a tough task going into Green Bay, knowing that the Packers are kind of on the Packers one, two. They always have the numbers and three. Aaron Rodgers is on a mission to kind of get the MVP. But, yeah, kind of at various instances of the game, we saw – both the good and the bad of Mitchell Trubisky. Like you said, he's had pretty much his entire career kind of the inability to really lead receivers or kind of give receivers a pass where they can have the yards after catch. So often it seems as though that offense is predicated on kind of will do dink and duck and make kind of either David Montgomery out of the backfield or some of our kind of wide receivers coming across the middle will get quick, you know, five yards here, six yards there, and then kind of maybe take a shot here or there down the deep ball. And I think we saw kind of over the past couple of weeks them starting to try to get Nick, um, get Mr. Dubisky kind of to scramble and move a little bit, which has helped. It's gotten him a little bit of success. But, yeah, I think the problem right now for the Bears is the defense. I mean, they're older. They're not really getting to the quarterback. They're not getting a lot of pressure. Their players, I'm looking at a stat from the Chicago Tribune, players that are 30 years old over accounted for 37.5% of the snaps on defense, and Cleo Mack is 29. So if we're looking at 29 and up, like that's a lot of veteran kind of guys that are aging, you know, they're aging fast, and when you're playing teams, like the Packers, who have a lot of speed guys, can you keep up with that speed? When you're playing teams like the Saints this week, you know, Alvin Kamara's going to be, you know, here, there, everywhere. Now they're getting, you know, Drew Brees and a Michael Thomas in. That's going to be a pass happy. Like, can the Bears be able to slow teams down? No. I just don't know. No. And I'm, I'm going to agree with you. Like, it's going to be, it's going to be ugly. Yeah, we saw, but, it, we saw it in the game where they were having linebackers match up with receivers and that got ugly and Aaron Rodgers noticed that Aaron Rodgers was in the pocket it was a couple times they were they were they were showing blitz and then they put the linebackers back out in coverage and uh, there was a couple times <laughs> one of the long touchdowns that one of the Packers had was a linebacker on a receiver and that that just wasn't that wasn't going to work I mean it just and they and they mentioned it in the in the game they mentioned it in the game that this is not going to work if you're going to keep playing like that. And, you know, you, you, you can't have it where, you know, uh, I'm looking at it right now for some touchdowns. Devontae Adams, you can't match him up with any of the linebackers. I think Marquez Valdez, Scant, I think it was in a Scantling that got a, a touchdown. Yeah. Or Robert. Yeah, Valdez Scantling had a deep ball. Yeah, he got a deep ball. But what was the one? Was it Daphne? I'm, I'm trying to remember who got the touchdowns. Where it, it, it I think it was a third down play. And the Packers needed to at least it was 
not even close to midfield, maybe at the the Packers forty, and they went in there, and it, it was it was actually third down. They were showing blitz, went in there, the linebacker went back to coverage and matched up with I think Scantling, and he got the ball and just blew by the guy. I mean, it was it just this wasn't it just this isn't this is gonna work. And like people were saying, it's a great defense, but Pagano is playing really conservative. And like you said, now with New Orleans, with all the speed that they have, you can't be doing that. I mean, you're just going to get ran out the building. And the Bears' offense can't keep up. That's another problem. The Bears' offense can't keep up with the scoring. Yeah. Like, it might be close. Like, it may be like 7-3. And I'll say kind of the Saints get a touchdown and the Bears get, you know, a field goal. But then after that, like, if the Bears get down – Double digits, it's over. Because you're asking, one, the Bears to kind of make plays against a Saints defense that is top five, top ten in this league. Mm-hmm. And two, that's a lot more pressure on Mr. Trubisky and David Montgomery to try and score. Because, like, outside of them, like, do you really trust any of the receivers? And some of the receivers, I mean, obviously that goes to who your quarterback is. Right. Mooney Mooney and Robinson are really good. They they have Jimmy Graham as the tight end, but the the fact of the matter is Mooney makes really good plays, but the unfortunate thing is is that and this is a thing, he's really making plays where there's throws where if he was if he was on Aaron Rodgers team, he probably would have a stellar season. But with it being Trubisky and, and not really a great accurate thrower, I mean he's making some hell of plays, but then again there's some plays where he gets the catch and he can't do nothing because it's just it's not really tight on a rope. It's a little bit too much air under it, or he floats it to the point where in the NFL, you, in college, maybe you can get away with that, but in the NFL, you got to throw that thing on a dart, lead the receiver, get it, he can get up, turn up field, and use his speed. But when you got to sit there and wait for the ball to come to you, catch it, then the, 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 I'll tell you this right now: those DB safeties and some of the linebackers in the league, the real talented ones, are going to chase him down, and you're not going to get anything if you throw for a two-yard pass, and you think maybe you can turn up the field and get an extra eight yards or nine yards out of it. That ain't happening with Trubisky. He, he throws a two-yard pass; it's going to be a two-yard pass. That's it. Yeah, yeah, it, it's it's not going to look good, and you hate to say it, but I mean. Should they have kind of, like, are they mad at Arizona because now they have, like, a mid-round pick and now they're like, eh, who can we really get middle of the first round? Are they going to draft offense? Or they, they should go defense, but are they going to try to give, you know, the offense another weapon? Are they going to go line? There's just a lot of questions, and kind of getting embarrassed is not going to help any of those questions. No. Keep going. All right, another team that kind of almost backed into the playoffs, the New York Giants, kind of. But I'll get to Doug Peterson and lose a section because i got a whole rant prepared for him. But, yeah, the Giants did what they had to do, some weird. The NFC East just this year is just god-awful. Like, even in that Giants-Cowboys game, like, it was close. The Cowboys almost won it, and the Giants tried to find a way to lose it, and then it took 15 minutes for them to – kind of hold on to the victory and so yeah like I don't I don't know if the Giants should be proud but I mean they did what they had to do to try and get into the playoffs and that's what you can that's all you can ask for yeah it is true that's all you can ask for uh, thinking about some of the 
college football teams that won Iowa State. Shout out to our boy Matt Campbell. Yeah. Taking Iowa State, beating Oregon, which Oregon this year really wasn't that all that much anyways, but kind of a major bowl win. Or Iowa State. State. You kinda you, you kinda gave him a back end compliment, like, well, you know, it really wasn't all that great. Well, I mean, Oregon's football this year was bad, but they won. They won the they won the Pac-12 for what it's worth, right, right. and Iowa State came in there, handled the business, and Ames Iowa celebrated. And we have to give respect because Matt Campbell is a culture changer. Mm-hmm. He did it in Toledo. Now he's doing it in Iowa State, and I hope he stays there and kind of builds that program up so that Iowa State is a dominant force. I do. They could have won the Big Twelve. They probably, you know, some things happen at the end of the game against Oklahoma. But, yeah, Iowa State football is here for the long haul, and I hope he stays to make sure of that. Right. Yeah, I agree. And another one I was thinking about, Mashin Ball State beating San Diego State. Wasn't even close. So the Mashin getting a little, little bit more respect. It's not just, you know, the Toledo, the Northern Illinois, President, the Buffaloes kind of recent years, but, right. yeah, uh, Ole Miss kind of getting that win, I guess, oh, it's an upset in terms of the rankings because Indiana was a ranked team, but Ole Miss is a Northwestern, two unranked teams getting big bowl wins in that kind of power five um, conference. Right. Yeah. They're switching to the losers. Uh, Frank's not here, but kind of first loser, Tracy Walker. I don't know if Watching the Detroit Minnesota game, you've probably seen the clip. Kind of fourth down on the you know, fourth and short. Minnesota goes for it. Tracy Walker gets a sack on Kirk Cousins. Everyone's elated. Everyone's happy. Detroit kind of has a chance to really kind of go down the field, kind of make it a competitive game. Two referees are there. One throws a flag for roughing the one throws a flag for roughing the passer. And if you watch it, that's literally the worst roughing the pass of penalty I've ever seen. <laughs> it, it's, it was textbook. It was a textbook tackle. There was no helmet to helmet collision. There was nothing below the waist. It was a clear rack. It was a tackle. I don't know if the referees at that moment were just like, "Look, we're one, we want Minnesota to win. We have money on this game." Like they should have just said that when they were doing the call, because there's no way that that's a roughing the pass without it. Like that. And the crazy thing is that was the second most egregious thing that happened to football on that Sunday. Because the worst is Doug Peterson and the Philadelphia Eagles. Mm. Like I sat and watched that game on national television mm. and I was like, okay. Like, and, like people were kind of saying like, you know, going for the touchdown to the field goal was like part of the this, you know, part of the taking get. For me, like, I understand going for the touchdown instead of the field goal. Like, I can understand that. Because you just got short field, you want to capitalize, you really don't want to settle for three. You could have, but hitting a touchdown when Washington and Alex Smith are already feeling a little bit demoralized, throwing an interception that deep in their territory, get a little momentum, get a little energy going. Like, I can understand that. It didn't work out. That's fine. It happens. Kind of, it happens throughout the season for a lot of teams. But putting in Nate Tussell over Jalen Hurts and then coming out after the game and saying, oh, we wanted to win. We were playing to win. 
there's a lot of profanity that I can say, but because of FC regulation, all I'm going to say is that when former players, current players, former executives, people that have been covering this league longer than I've been alive, were all saying that that's a disgrace, then there's nothing that you can say to kind of change that fact. There were reports saying that players on the sidelines had to be restrained from wanting to fight their own coach. Like, you can't tell these men who have been battling for months, oh, we're going to put you in the best position to win, and then give it two middle fingers and say, oh, we're going to play Nate Plus out. Like, Sam, like, yes, Jalen Hurts was seven for 20, but he scored both of your touchdowns on the ground. Like, he gives you the best position to win. And clearly, Washington has a good defense. They're, they're a top 10 defense in this league. They've shown it throughout the season. It, it, was, it was embarrassing. And if I was an Eagles fan, like, that would make me want to, again, like the players, like the New York Giants that were putting on social media, ready to fight Doug Peterson. And he deserves to be punched in the face. But everyone in that locker room. Yeah, it it, it was bad. Uh, I mean, it, it was, it, and it and, and I don't know what I I personally think it's just me. Somebody from the management told him to put that guy in there. I mean, let's face it. I mean, the loss kind of helps them more. I believe what are they at the sixth pick? With, yeah, with the, the sixth is the ninth overall. Okay, and then if they would have won, it, it wouldn't have really helped them out. And it, it, it was a, I think it was a pure form of tanking. I mean, he went in there and just said, you know what, we're going to put this guy in for no reason and to sit there and, you know, and he's been in the league for a while now. So you already know what he's what, what you think of him. You think he's basically a backup QB. That's basically what you think of him. So to give him time like that, I, I personally think that, personally, I think that they were, and say, okay, put Jalen in, give this guy a look, and if we lose, we lose. I mean, it, it, that's just how it goes. Yeah, and like, like he was a sixth-round pick in 2016, Nate Sussbaum. Like, he's, like, he, if he would have been that starter, like, if you, like you said, like, you know who this guy is four years into the league. Like, and the thing about it is, and this was like the first time in years that I listened to a post-game prep conference from a head coach. Like, if you wanted to give your team the best position to win, you should probably see what Jalen Hurts can do in the fourth quarter down a field goal. That's going to tell you a lot more about your quarterback than throwing Nate Sudfeld out. Mm. Like, if you want to know what your team is made of, if you want to know what this quarterback is probably going to be the heir apparent because Carson Wentz is being a baby mm. on national display, like, you tell him, hey, fourth quarter, down by a field goal, go win us this game. Like, that's what a, a leader does. That's what a head coach does. Mm-hmm. If you want to talk about best position to win, put Jalen Hurts in there and say, hey, fourth quarter, make it happen. This is your time. Right. But, yeah, that was, that, that was bad. Uh, and another bad losers, both the Cardinals and the Rams. That was just a trash game in general. <laughs> Like both the teams had backup quarterbacks. I'm like, man. Well, well the, the the Cardinals that was a backup quarterback because he got hurt early on. I don't know if they were really planning yeah. on it to happen. Well, 
Yeah, I mean, yeah, we'll give we'll give Kyler Murray that kind of, but he's been nagging injuries kind of this entire season. I understand kind of winning your end, but you have to kind of think of long term benefit. If this is going to be your guy moving forward, I would just play the backup. Like, like I understand Kyler Murray, but again, it goes back to what I said throughout the year. Do I really think Kyler Murray kind of is that true number one? Yeah, not really. And then when he's hobbled, you really can't move. Kind of just let him rest, get him healthy. He didn't have an off season, didn't have training camp to kind of get his body, and he's taking a lot of hits. But, but yeah, that was that was another just bad game overall. Because once he went out, it was like, eh, why are we even watching this? Uh, switching over to the college game, the Texas Longhorn. Like they they just don't learn. They just kind of. You get rid of Tom Herman, which everyone's kind of surprised and kind of celebrating that. But then you bring in Steve Sarkeesian. Like, Sam, like, what are you doing? Like, like, have you not realized that certain coaches are just there for the money grab and you're going to replace them in two or three years? Because Sarkeesian, like, part of it goes to the Alabama kind of rehab trade. But Sarkeesian was really, like, a lot of problems, if you remember. From his last head coaching gig. And, I mean, I understand if you want to take that risk, but he's, he's not worth the hassle. Like, I mean, if you guys want to be in a hamster wheel, go ahead, but that's not going to work for you. Right. Um, another loser at Cincinnati Bearcats, finding new ways to lose. Um, a lot of people are going to say that kind of, and it's going to come down to that third and fourth down call. Like, I'm, I'm all in favor of the run pass option, but you got to know your personnel. You got to know the situational. In, in a situation game, when you have a chance to kind of win it, just play smart. And I, I just never understand why coaches don't want to play smart, run clock, force the other team to call timeout. And make plays. It's, it's just baffles me. Um, Florida Gators got mollywopped, and the excuse train came out left, right, and center. Oh, we didn't have this starter. Oh, we didn't have that starter. Like, these are all D1 scholarship athletes. All right, these players are probably, can probably start for 90% of the program in this bowl season. Like, don't make excuses. You got your, you know, buck handed to you by Oklahoma. And just take take a lot. Uh, and then the last loser for me, heading kind of this getting to the college football playoff, college football playoff committee. Just just in general, like you guys knew what would happen by picking the worst possible combination of games. Like you guys know that Notre Dame cannot handle a candle, hold a candle to Alabama. You guys know that what best for business would have been to get, our, you know, for all the marbles of, you know, rougher match between Clemson and Notre Dame. Because the first time that they played double overtime thriller, the second time they played national championship, everyone, or ACC championship, everyone is healthy, Notre Dame, you know, got the break speed off them. Did that probably play into what happened with the kind of fire ranking? Yeah, probably. But I think a lot more people would have been interested in Ohio State 
versus Alabama in the semifinal and then having another Alabama-Clemson rematch. Because that's probably how it would have lasted. Now, I understand money-wise you want to get Ohio, you know, Ohio State and Clemson because Dabo Swinney came out with a trash stop after the final four were made. But, like, that's not that's not the two semifinals I would have. Were they great games? Yeah. Did Dabo Swinney have to, you know, eat his foot? Absolutely. Do I still think Ohio State should have been number three? No. I think that they were the fourth best, and now we'll get to see Alabama and Ohio State. So they got what they wanted at the end of the day. I just would have gotten about a different way. Man, you got a lot yeah. on your – well, then again, you haven't been on the show for a couple of weeks, but keep going and getting a lot off your yeah. chest. Yeah, and then the last loser, I'm going to put the Houston Texans just it, – it's sad, man. Well, is that really the uh, Houston Texans, or it was because of the, some of the mistakes Bill O'Brien has made, and it's now coming to, to roost on them? I, I, it's definitely like 90% Bill O'Brien. Because yeah, he's, he's not even there anymore. Screwed, yeah, he screwed them over because they would have had a top three pick, which you know would have been either a defensive player, or they probably would have – they could have even drafted back or traded back to get a little bit more draft capital because they lost them in the first-round picks because of Bill O'Brien. And then the way that the game ended on Sunday was just kind of a like this final just ice pick kind of through the eye and just, so yeah, I, I don't know where Houston goes from here. And that's one of the sad things because they don't have draft picks to be able to kind of rebuild. Not a lot of teams are going to want some of their older players you're not really going to sacrifice younger players. Now you have reports that Deshaun wants Deshaun Watson wants out because he wants a fresh start. Because he's seeing that okay, now I'm in the hamster wheel. I just got paid, but no one here is around me like who I think can be, you know, good enough for long haul. You don't know what you want to do with JJ Watt. He might leave. You know, to kind of get a fresh start. Like it's just it's bad. Like, it's not as bad as Jacksonville bad, but it's bad. And whoever comes in there, or no, I would say whoever comes in there would make it better. But then Houston decided, oh, oh, the Patriot way worked the last time. Let's get another New England Patriot kind of wacky to lead this team again. Like, you literally just had Bill O'Brien in there. And look what happened. Like, have it, you guys it, not learned anything? Yeah, it, it is. It is wacky. Right. Way wacky what they're trying. And, and I don't really understand why people want to do the Patriot way. I think this year has proven that Bill Belichick is a great coach. And they built up a culture where they were winning. But the problem is, is that not every culture works in every area i think this is where you, you got to start learning this and hopefully people learn this but everyone likes to be a cap copycat and people are very lazy you need the players to execute the plays and you need the players to buy into the culture in, in new england you know they, they had a culture set up where people would come in this is what we do and people would buy in and it was it was great you know like philadelphia is a prime example they went and ended up beating new england 
uh, won a Super Bowl and was like, well, you don't have to be like New England to, 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 to win a Super Bowl. It's all great and everything. And then look at Philadelphia. They, they all were partying. Everyone was getting full of themselves. Everybody's getting a deal. Everybody's getting an advertisement around the city with car dealerships. And in a couple of seasons, now they got a whole mess where people think that the, the head coach is tanking. Okay, that does kind of happen. But at the same time, just because one team wins a certain way doesn't mean it's going to be a guaranteed success that is going to work somewhere else. Look at Matt Patricia. He tried the same thing in Detroit. Didn't work. Bill O'Brien in, in Houston didn't work. I think what, what really needs to happen is, for one, you got to build up a cachet. I mean, let's face it. Bill Belichick, when he got to New England, he had, a, he had a, a, some respect. If you're just a coordinator just coming in and saying, we're going to do it this way because that's how we did it in New England, that that's just not going to happen. You know, Josh McDaniels, look what's happened with him. I mean, you, you got you to gotta go in, and, and as everyone says, it, whether, whether being a coach or a GM, you got to be yourself because when you try to be somebody else, nobody's going to buy in. Nobody's going to believe it. Everyone's going to say, well, you're a copycat. You got this off of so-and-so. There's nothing wrong with getting – different golden nuggets from from where you've worked at and, and, and experiences you've had in life but you got to bring them together to form yourself and pr- put your own signature stamp on it or your own swag on it and i think that's the problem with a lot of these guys that come from new england they want to be this copycat where it's not believable it's not going to mesh with people you got to know the temperature of the room you got to understand the culture of the actual organization where there's some things you know you know Mr. Kraft over in New England, let's face it, he was all buying with Bill Belichick. He let Bill Belichick do what he wants to do. Do you think the Patriot Way culture is going to work in Dallas with Jerry Jones and his meddling ass? No. It's just not. I mean, it's just not. So, you know, I don't understand it. But, like I said, it's a copycat league when you're winning. People want to copycat and say this is how it's supposed to be done instead of really, I think, analyzing and, and, and realizing, will this fit with our team? You know, sometimes you might have to come in here, and, and Bill Belichick did it with the Patriots. When Bill Belichick got to the Patriots, remember, he went 5-11 and his first season, but he had to gradually build on that. Now, he did. Did he get lucky down the, the, the way? Yeah, Tom Brady came in. But he was doing pretty decent with Drew Bledsoe, so you never know. Even if Drew Bledsoe might not have got injured, could he have gone to the Super Bowl with Drew Bledsoe? Possibly, and won a couple Super Bowls. And then maybe Tom Brady would have came and won a couple Super Bowls instead of winning six. We never know. But the fact of the matter is, when Bill Belichick got to the Patriots, it was a slow buildup. You know what I'm saying? You got to go in there and see what guys fit with you. Are, are, are they a New England guy? I mean, that's what it has to be. And when you get down there to whatever new team they're at, they got to understand what's the culture like here? What am I dealing with with management? Is management going to give me the same type of leeway that I got over in New England with, with, with craft? I mean, the, the owners could limit you. The owners could really limit you on what you do. And I think that, you know, some guys just going in there and saying, well, yeah, we got a guy from the Patriots. But you know what? I know you came from New England, but here in such and such, this is what you need to do. Well, if you're not going to let me come in and do what I need to do, then this isn't going to work. Just like, you know, Bill Parcells says, you know, don't let me try. Don't sit up there and let me make the meal. But then you don't let me shop for the groceries. That's the same thing. Yeah. And I think kind of kind of to that point, because kind of Casario came in, 
so the guy that hired him, executive VP of football operations, Jack Easterby, like he was a Patriots guy. Like so, like he, and then like there's this whole kind of report that kind of blew up. So this team hired a search form and they identified five candidates. The guy that ended up getting the job because, like, yeah, so Casario wasn't on that final list of five. And because he wasn't on that list of finalists, he got the job because that's who the executive VP wanted. So there's already kind of a power move. And that's why, you know, Deshaun Watson is mad because he wasn't involved in the GM decision. He wasn't, he's not really involved in coaching decisions. You give this. Um, Casario guy, a six-year contract, makes him one of the three highest payers in the league, and you're basically doing this without any conversation with your star quarterbacks you literally just paid. You're not, I'm sure if you're not talking to Watson, you're not talking to J.J. Watt about it. So you've already alienated your two high-profile big players because you wanted to kind of kind of rebuild the Patriots thing, just kind of do your own thing and just say bleep all of, you know, all the advice of all these experts that will be kind of, that qualify for the job. So it's, it's, it's a lot. And if all of the Houston fan, all, all signs point that it's probably going to be someone like a Josh McDaniels or another one of those Patriots offensive or defensive coaches that's going to come in and they're going to try to do a Patriots 2.0, and it's not going to work. Yeah, you, and, you have to have people to buy in, and I think that's one of the problems, I think, with the, some of the guys that have defected, and we, we've talked about it on the show, like Matt Patricia going in and having an ego because he's from New England thinking he has clout. Well, when you get in there, if, if you're going to have an arrogance, for one, you already got one strike against you. For two, there's going to be people that, that don't like the Patriot way. And if you're coming in with arrogance mixed in with people that probably aren't going to be too keen on the Patriot way or think that, you know, the only reason why the Patriot way was because of a certain situation, it's it's not going to work. Like I said, you got to go in and be your own self and just grind and show that you're committed to those players and you're committed to winning, building a winning program. You can take some of those philosophies, but, but on the way, you're going to have to learn the organization, learn the players, and somewhat kind of do your own thing this is how it has to be just like with tom brady in in tampa bay you know tom brady came down there you know this is what we did in new england bruce aarons is like "Uh uh-uh dude you know this is what we do down here in tampa and you it was bumpy for the for for the buccaneers but it looks like those two are coming together and they're mixing up their philosophies together to actually build a winning football team and, it, and and let's be honest the pay, the buccaneers have looked pretty decent the last couple weeks right yeah and that's because they got you know they have an organization there that's one not the patriot way and two kind of they they have a means and a method and you know going into tampa bay here's how things are going to be you know bruce arians is this kind of coach it's all the growing pain kind of in the frustration between, you know, Brady and Arians for at least the first, at least half of the season, kind of going back and forth. And they write at things. And sometimes the Patriots, the Patriots waiting only gets you so far with the pieces. True. And it takes 
the pieces, it takes the organization, it takes everyone buying in together. Right. If you're coming in trying to kind of create the stationary way, but no one's buying in, as we saw with that Patricia. Like, these are grown men. These aren't college students. These aren't, you know, people that are indoctrinated. They're, they've played this way for a while. Some of them have success, some not. Especially in Houston, they were right on the cusp for so long. They were beating Kansas City in the AFC Championship. Or, yeah. No, it wasn't the AFC Championship. But they were beating Kansas City in their playoff game. And then, like, they were that close. And so now to see them regress the way that they have, partially because of, quote-unquote, bringing in the Patriot way, now you're bringing someone else in that models something similar to take it even further back? Yeah. And the Patriot way didn't really work this year as well because of even though you brought in Cam Newton, who's, who was a former MVP and got to the Super Bowl, some people would say it was a disaster that that that, that it happened. I think sometimes you just it reminds me of old coaches that come in and they got this system. They want to run this system because the system worked previously, but yet you don't have the players to run that system. Then they go in and they run the system and it doesn't work, and then they want to just blame the players. Well, that's kind of the same way here. The, 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 the Patriot way doesn't work at all locations. So someone as a GM or whatever needs to go in there, figure out the temperature of the room, see what makes people tick, see what you can do to be successful. Now, like I said earlier, you can take some of the points that you learn, some of your successful points, but at the same time, you got to be open and willing to learn. And I think that's the problem with a lot of people that come from, from the Patriots. Yeah, you've been winning, you've been high on the horse, you come in, you try to be arrogant about it, and yet you're not really willing to learn and be open to maybe trying new things or maybe just being open to 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 new philosophies. Yeah, it might clash with yours, but hey, let's try this out and see if it works. And then once I get you in here, maybe I can get you to buy into a little bit, you know, make a compromise. And I think that's the one thing that happens with a lot of people, especially in life. Arrogance and not being willing to be open-minded and compromising with people is usually a downfall for people. And that's why I think a lot of times People leave New England and don't work out because, you know, we did this in New England. This is how it, it works. And they put down all the people that are around them. And then they wonder, well, why is no one trying to buy into this? Yeah, it goes out to communication. Communication is key. You need to communicate with those that are there. It can't just be, oh, we're going to be a dictator. We're going to come in here. And if you don't like it, you can leave. Like, communication, you got to talk, especially with your star players. Like, he's not involved. He gives recommendations. He gives suggestions. He tries to do what he can as a player with with however much power J.J. Watt and Deshaun Watson have within that organization, which is probably a lot more than this new incoming GM and VP of player personnel because of their longstanding, the way that they're respected around the league because they keep him all the way 100, and they're trying to grind through all these growing pains. And for you to not just kind of wholeheartedly not even talk to them, have a conversation, take some recommendations, like, I can understand why a guy like Deshaun Watson is mad because you didn't even think about interviewing Eric the Enemy, who we said the second Bill O'Brien was fired, 
Eric the Enemy, this looks like a really good job for him. Like, we have no connections whatsoever to the Houston Texans organization franchise. But that was something that people were saying as clear as day. Oh, this would be great for the enemy in Watson. The enemy in Watson. What can he do? He has the recommendation of blessing up Mahomes. Like, like just something small like that that can escalate and snowball into something monumental, such as now Deshaun Watson wants to leave because he doesn't feel like he has a voice anymore, and he just got paid. Like, like at some point you have to think as someone in a professional position. If you're not communicating with your employees and you're just kind of doing things willy-nilly, no one's going to want to come to Houston. And those that are there are going to try to force their way out some kind of way because they can recognize the toxicity that's being kind of implanted kind of at the very beginning. I mean, if Houston wants to regress back to kind of how they were before with those, you know, early years of the franchise where they were getting two wins, three wins here, that's fine, but you guys don't have any room to build because of the other Patriot Way guy that trade away your draft picks and your best player. Yeah, that's right. Any more thing else, David, as we wrap up this segment? No, that is all for this extended winners and losers edition. There's a lot that happened week 17. Wow, that, that that is true. So now we're going into the college football playoff final and wild card weekend. Stay tuned for that. As then next week, David will have some more winners and losers uh, coming up next. David has. I'm trying to think here. I'm trying to remember. You had your predictions of contenders and pretenders in the NBA, which was really a one good game on Thursday night. The other night, um, with the Nets in, in the. Uh, the Nets and the Sixers, and then we'll have here, you'll have a quick reaction to college football postseason. That'll be interesting. I, I want to hear that quick reaction from you. But we'll take a quick commercial break. Listen to 88.3 WGTs. After further review, you can always check us out on SoundCloud and iTunes with WGTs After Further Review with a picture of Frank Basher and the horse's head. Uh, subscribe to us. And, you know, basically give us a good review. If if it's only one star and you don't want to give us a review, just pass us through it on and listen to the segments. But if you like it, you know, give us five stars. Also, we're always live from the studio when we can be on After Further Review Sports Show on Facebook. And we're on AFR Sports Show on Twitter. We'll take a quick commercial break. When we return, talk a little bit about the college football playoff semifinals. Next here on 88.3 WGTs. After Further Review, we'll be back after this. <laughs> 